0: This is Make Yourself at Home, a BizNow podcast about the pandemic and its impact on the business of real estate. I'm Miriam Hall, BizNow's New York reporter. This week, New York passed its budget, and much to the despair of the real estate and business community, it includes a tax increase, specifically a tax hike for the wealthiest residents. Individuals earning more than $1.1 million will have a state income tax go from 8.82% to 9.65% even though multiple business leaders, including many from the real estate community, told lawmakers it would just drive people from the city at a time when they are needed here the most. To talk about it on this episode, we're hearing from Seth Pinsky, who was previously the president of the city's Economic Development Corporation during the Bloomberg administration. After that, he was an executive vice president at RXR Realty, and he's now the CEO of the 92nd Street Y, though he's speaking here in his capacity as a former city official, not the head of the cultural center. You know, I I think
1: that there are things that are to be applauded in the state budget. um, And then there are things that are very concerning. And I think overall, what I would say is I feel like this budget was a missed opportunity The things that I would applaud are that there are major issues that we as a city, we as a state, and for that matter, we as a country face. We um, have yawning inequality where the winners are winning more and more, the losers are losing more and more. We have systemic issues that make it hard for the have-nots to become haves. And it's very important that, that we as a country, um, but certainly we as New Yorkers, figure out how to address that. And I think that there are some very significant parts of uh, the budget that seek to do exactly that. Um, to me, the most important piece of the budget is um, the increase in funding to education to ensure that we are giving people the opportunity to uh, advance. Uh, education is really the best way and the only truly meaningful way to address long-term inequality. So I think that part of the budget is something that the legislature and the governor should be applauded for. I think also trying to put in place emergency funding measures to help people who have been impacted by this terrible pandemic uh, makes sense and is something that's very much needed The areas of concern that I have are um, that it feels to me as if the way that we run our government, both at the state and the city level, is that we measure success by how much money we're spending rather than by outcomes. And um, I think anyone who looks at New York State's budget, just since we're talking about that, and remarks on the fact that we spend more per capita than I believe any other state except for Alaska, and then ask themselves whether our government services and our outcomes are better than any other state will probably come to the conclusion that they're not, and therefore that there's something wrong with how we're spending our money. And the fact that during a pandemic, when we got a one-time cash injection from the federal government, we didn't take the opportunity to look at how we spend our money and try to come up with more effective ways Of using the resources that we have, I think that is problematic. And it's something that's going to come back to bite us when the cash windfall from the federal government disappears, which it's going to. The other issue I think that is concerning is the approach that the state took to increasing taxes. And what I would say on that front is that I think that the point that's made by many progressives that the wealthy, and the United States pay too little in taxes is absolutely correct. But the reason they're paying too little in taxes is not because New York State's taxes or New York City's taxes are too low, it's because federal taxes are too low. And the problem is that the decision that was made was A, to raise city and uh, state taxes, I should say, in a way that may uh, reduce the underpayment of taxes by the wealthy, uh, in New York, but does it in a way that will make New York far less competitive, which is problematic. Um, the taxes were raised on a very, very narrow portion of the population, which is the portion of the population that can afford to pay higher taxes, but is also highly mobile. And is, uh the taxes are being raised at a time when that portion of the population has actually realized that they're much more mobile than they even thought that they were. And also uh, many of the reasons that people chose to stay in New York, the quality of life, the magnetic infrastructure that we have, all of those are highly diminished. So the whole calculus has changed and that's the moment that we're choosing to tax this highly mobile portion of the population, which incidentally pays about 50% of states' income taxes. And then that we also did it at a time when from a budgetary perspective, we actually didn't need to I think that combination is going to come back to bite us and is something that anyone who cares about the future of New York, regardless of what your ideology is, should be very concerned about.
0: I've got to say, though, These are people making in excess of a million dollars a year who will see their personal income tax rate go to 9.65% from 8.25%. I mean, that is peanuts when you look at it.
1: It it is. And um, if you want to argue the equities of it, it's hard to say that that's not a fair thing to ask of somebody who's earning that much money. I, I agree completely with you. The problem is, though, that it's not a philosophical argument. It's an argument that depends on people's behavior. And um, already taxes are significantly higher in New York than they are in other jurisdictions. We're now increasing that differential because the state and local tax deduction on the federal income taxes was eliminated. That gap is effectively larger than it was four or five years ago. And as I mentioned, and I think this is the most important piece of the puzzle that people aren't thinking about. So many of the things that drew people to New York, that are the reasons why the wealthy were willing to be here, notwithstanding the fact that they were paying higher taxes, are significantly diminished. Now, I guess we all are hoping, not I guess, we all are hoping that those things come back, but at the moment they haven't. And so if you're a wealthy person, you may say to yourself, you know, it's fair. I should be paying more in taxes. It's not a huge amount of money relative to the money that I earn, and so I'm willing to stay. And certainly some people will come to that conclusion. Maybe many people will come to that conclusion, but some will not. Some will say, you know, I don't need to be here to work anymore. I can make the same amount of money working from uh, on Zoom from Florida. The museums that I used to go to are harder to get into. The theaters that I used to go to are no longer open. The restaurants I used to go to are out of business. Why should I pay that extra money? And the problem is that this portion of the population is responsible for so much of our tax revenue that it only takes a few of those people to make the decision to leave to completely reverse and um and unwind the benefits of raising the tax rates on them. Um, and once you lose people, it's very hard to get them back. So I think that the issue is that this it's not really, the legislature came to the conversation from a position of ideology, when in reality, I think anyone who's governing and making public policy decisions needs to be thinking pragmatically.
0: This isn't a surprise, what you're saying. This isn't... The business community basically begged the lawmakers not to do this. They wrote to them and um, they were in the New Wall Street Journal saying what a terrible idea it would was and how it would drive people from the city. And essentially, it just didn't work. I mean, they condemned it. The lawmakers went ahead with it anyway, not to get into the complicated situation that Cuomo is in right now. But what do you think about the business communities and the real estate communities approach um, when they were trying to get their message through to lawmakers? Do you think they went about it the right way?
1: No. Um, and I, I think that this is, um, un- unfortunately, because I actually think that the arguments they were making were correct. Um, unfortunately, I think that the business community and the real estate community in many ways are reaping what they've sown for a long, long time. And what I mean by that is a couple of things. First of all, the strategy for a long time that was a adopted by the business community in New York was to find a blocking ally. For a long time, that was the Senate Republican majority. Then it became the Independent Democratic Caucus. In recent years, it became the governor. And because they found sympathetic blocking allies, they didn't really feel like they had to make their case to the general public. And as a result of that, I don't think they did. And so I think that there's generally a lack of understanding of these issues, and it's very hard to change the tenor of the conversation in a few short weeks of a legislative session when the other side has been working to build its case for many, many years. So I think that's one piece of the problem. I think another piece of the problem is that the equities just aren't on their side. Um, It may practically be right that we shouldn't be raising uh, taxes on the wealthy for the reasons that I stated earlier. Um, But if um, somebody who's earning $20,000 a year looks at somebody who's earning a million dollars a year and hears that that person in total is paying less in taxes than they used to, or in some cases paying less in taxes than that person paying, earning $20,000 a year, uh, or companies are paying less in taxes than people earning $20,000 a year, uh, it just doesn't feel right. And that's also hard to overcome, even if, again, for practical reasons, the argument is the right one. And then I think the, the last piece is that I think that the business community in New York has generally been too focused on solving its own problems rather than trying to figure out how to solve other people's problems and building alliances and coalitions. If the business community in New York had analyses and plans that were as detailed for solving problems like our education uh, systems failures, or um, the terrible state of NYCHA housing, And explain to people that the additional resources that prosperity creates would allow us not just to have that prosperity fall into a few hands, but to solve some of our bigger pressing problems that are affecting large numbers of New Yorkers. I also think the conversation would be different, but that's just not the approach that they've taken.
0: It appears to me that they've taken the approach of attacking the ideology by saying that these ideas of raising taxes are driven by like far left extremists and Marxists. I mean, Marxism is a word that I've heard. Why is it that? Why did they take that approach, do you think?
1: Well, I mean, that seems to be the approach that everyone takes, unfortunately. (laughs) I mean, I, I think that you know, the the people who are pushing for tax increases are are using equally um, dramatic language uh, to talk about the privilege of the wealthy. So I think that that's just the way politics works today. Um, It's sad and uh, it's one of the reasons why we have such a broken political system, Um, but that's not entirely surprising to me. Um, I think though, That the reason why that approach is not effective is because the progressives actually have some of their arguments right, even if their solutions aren't necessarily, in my opinion, the right ones. I mean, it's true. The wealthy are not contributing enough in this country. That doesn't mean that their New York state taxes aren't too high. It doesn't mean that their New York City taxes aren't too high. But overall, the tax burden that's being carried by the wealthy relative to the increase in wealth that's occurred, it's not fair, so to speak. So I think that they have that piece right. And there are real problems with the way that our system works and the way that prosperity gets distributed in society. And so when the business community says, well, let's just leave things the way that they were because they were working, I think to most people, the answer is, well, they haven't really worked for me. So it's very hard to overcome that unless you have a really strong argument for how that system doesn't just benefit a privileged few, but benefits the many. And again, I think the, the failure of um, our progressive leadership is that I don't believe at the end of the day that their approach is going to result in improved outcomes either. I mean, we've had seven years of very progressive leadership in New York City and using this most well-used measure of inequality, the Gini coefficient, inequality in New York has actually gone up. Um, So that's problematic. Um, But they have at least the first half of the argument right. And the business community just doesn't have the trust that they care about that.
0: They have justice on their side, I guess, which is a pretty pretty tough argument to to come up against. What what solutions would you have liked to have seen or would you like to see from the real estate community? For for example, I was speaking to Bill Rudin the other day, uh, obviously, very well known landlord, third generation property owner in the city says, oh, we know we have a bad perception. And it's incumbent upon us to change that perception. What can possibly be done? Do you think? I mean, what kind of solutions were you hoping you would have seen through this process of period of crisis and thinking and people saying we need to do things differently what would what could you expect it to have seen from from the real estate community
1: well i think first of all that that bill and his family are an example of part of what's needed which is that they have always felt an obligation not just to look out for their own interests but to think about the greater interests of new york city um, and while That's the case with a lot of people in the business and real estate community. That's not the case with everyone. And so I think if there were just more Bill Rudens out there, that alone would make a difference. But I I think that the the bigger issue is that I think that the real estate community and the business community need not just a negative agenda, but an affirmative agenda. Um, And what I mean by that is their agenda shouldn't just be looking at other people's agendas and pointing out the things that are problematic about those agendas. Um, What they really need to be doing is coming out affirmatively and saying, here are the problems that New York faces. And that's not my problem as a real estate owner. That's not my problem as a business owner. These are society's problems, poverty, inequality, et cetera. And here's how we would propose addressing those issues, including pieces that are going to cost us but are going to do it in a way that are going to keep our industries competitive, are going to keep our city competitive. Um, And I think that would change the dynamic of the dialogue. And I'm still hopeful that the day will come when we'll see more of that coming out of the business and real estate communities.
0: I don't understand why it hasn't happened. They've had as much time as this progressive group has had to um, get together a kind of a PR campaign, um, and it doesn't appear to have happened.
1: It's not a PR strategy. I mean, I, I think actually the business community and the real estate community have launched PR um, campaigns. They, Whether it's formally a PR campaign or stating their positions publicly, I think the problem is that their positions aren't resonating. And I think the reason for that is because it's about more than just arguments, it's about, real change. The only way that you're going to be able to overcome progressive arguments, which as you said, have justice on their side, but maybe, and this is my piece, are ineffective, is if you make your own arguments that have justice on their side and are actually effective.
0: What should they do then? Should they employ different people? I mean, are they, what's the answer?
1: Well, I I think that, The way we as human beings learn lessons is by doing things and either succeeding or failing. Um, And uh, most of us are smart enough to realize that if we keep failing, we have to change tack. And I think that's eventually what will happen with the real estate and business community. But as I said, the, the old strategy worked for a long time. It's only recently that the old strategy has really started to break down. Um, and so it may take some time before um, they they change uh, that strategy.
0: So, uh, over the time, over the course of the last year, I've spoken to you a few times, and you've never been that worried about people leaving the city. I guess this is probably the most worried I've heard you. <laughs> um, is that uh, and it, is if, a valid? I mean, has it become a valid concern more so than it was in the past? I, I mean,
1: look. the in some ways, I'm more optimistic now than I was earlier. In other ways, I'm less optimistic. The, the, what makes me more optimistic is that um, the number of people leaving um, is declining. The number of people coming is rising. Um, prices have adjusted in a way where there is now actually a value proposition um, for moving to New York. Um, and so I'm, I'm hopeful in that respect. What concerns me, though, um, is uh, the fact that everyone who lives in New York, whether implicitly or explicitly, is doing um, certain mental calculus every day. Um, And that calculus is weighing the benefits of being here against the costs. And when they look at the costs, they don't just look at money, although that's clearly a part of it, but they look at the fact that it's crowded, it's dirty, it's dangerous sometimes, Everything is a hassle, so those are that's the cost. Um, and then the benefit are uh, the benefits are all of the many things that all of us love about New York. It's diverse, it's interesting, culture, restaurants, entertainment, all of those things. And what concerns me today is that um, at the very moment when the costs are increasing, um, including through the tax increases that we just talked about, but um, crime is getting worse, the city's getting dirtier. So costs in every way are increasing. The benefits are at just about the lowest they've been in any of our lifetimes. And I think the reason why we haven't seen a mass exodus, although 2% of our population in a year is a huge outflow, that's about twice as much as we lost per year during the 1970s, which was our low point. The reason though, I think we haven't seen, you know, more than 2% of our population leave is because people still have faith that those benefits will return. But that means they have to return, and people aren't going to be infinitely patient with New York. Um, And I think our leadership needs to appreciate how delicate the moment is, um, and needs to be very thoughtful before they add more costs to that side of the ledger, and needs to be very deliberate about restoring the strength of our benefits as quickly as possible.
0: It's like how developers always say it has to pencil. I mean, living in New York has to pencil for people.
1: Yeah, and um, over the last year, I don't think there's anyone who would say that the sacrifices that you make as a New Yorker are worth it. Uh, Again, the reason we've all stuck it out is because we believe that they will once again, but that means they have to.
0: Seth Pinsky, a former Bloomberg City official. I'm Miriam Holm, thanks for listening.